0: Welcome to Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite. Ray Allen Canine. It's no secret that we love Ray Allen Canine Equipment. We use their products every single day at both Van Azz Canine and at Torchlight. Their mission statement says it all. To be the world leader in quality innovation for professional canine equipment for police, military, schützen, and ring sport tend to exceed their customers' expectations and deliver on time every time at a fair price. We full-heartedly believe that they've held true to that since it is our go-to one-stop shop for everything canine, not just police dogs, but for any working dog.
1: This episode is also brought to you by our good friends over at Dogtra, dogtra dogtra.com. It's the e-collars that Ted and I use. It's e-collars most police dog guys use. Dogtra.com, e-collars, bark collars, ball launchers, one-stop shop for everything you need for your working dog, dogtra.com.
0: One of the other sponsors we're proud to have is HITS Canine Training Conference. It's the premier premier canine training seminar in the United States, packed to the brim with the world's best instructors covering important topics from admins to liability to detection work, all and tracking and everything in between. There's no better place to learn and no better place to network with other handlers, breeders, and trainers. HITS 2022 is being held in Orlando in August. Uh, So hit them up, hitscanine.net.
1: We're super happy to be uh, represented by our good friends at Kinetic Dog Food. Uh, we've got great reviews from people all over the place. Uh, ever since we we joined up with them and partnered with them, their uh, commitment to your dog's nutrition is top-notch. KineticDogFood.com. Check them out.
0: Jim over at NC Canine out in North Carolina. It's the culmination of 13 years of experience in handling or training uh, law enforcement canines. They use real world deployments to develop their training program and run not only on their experience, but the current experience of the nation's canine handlers provide the best canine partner you can get. They provide pet training and police canine training based out of four Oaks, North Carolina, and they serve the surrounding areas as well as nationally. Feel free to call them and learn more about their dog training program, police canine techniques and
1: methodologies. We got a brand new sponsor, man, American aluminum accessories. Uh, my entire time in canine and ever since i've been involved in the dogs the kennel in the back of our cruisers has always been american aluminum uh check them out uh we're so happy to have them on here easyrideronline.com easyrideronline.com for everything you need from american aluminum accessories
0: speaking of kennels once you get out of the car you got to have somewhere to put them so our friends up in ohio at horizon structures make a one stop shop for kennel if you want a two dog kennel or if you want a 20 dog kennel, they got you covered. They get those things built and they drop it off at your house. All you got to have is a pad, electricity, and water, and you can put dogs in it that day. Horizon Structures can build you anything from mild to wild, and it is the one-stop shop and you don't have to swing a single hammer. So hit them up, horizonstructures.com. Okay, Working Dog Radio broadcasting the bite. I am uh, Ted Summers from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, with me, as always, from Canton, Ohio, is Eric Stambro uh, Eric,
1: what's up? uh plugging away got some dogs in the kennel uh not many left though for like i've said before i'm taking september and october off as far as dogs in the kennel i'll still be training with some dudes but uh i just don't want to pick up poop and feed dogs for a couple months take a little break um funny thing though because you know i live at a lake yeah. and uh i used to do a lot of wakeboarding here and i haven't done it in a while i probably got um Seven or eight legit concussions from wakeboarding. Um, before, you, already,
0: you already have a fucking head injury from a yeah, yeah. in. So I'm a mess. I mean, so.
1: so before I started wearing a helmet for wakeboarding, I was getting, I was trying stupid. I would just send it, right? I'm just coming in, whap, trying to flip, right. smashing all over the place. Um, The water is not very forgiving. But so okay. October 31st, I'm flying down to Orlando. And for a week, I'm doing a wakeboard camp. And uh, where I'm gonna try to flip, I'm gonna learn some tricks and do some flipping. Holy shit! Um, if <laughs> so, that's if I land it, if I can, if I can come back here, I'd be, as far as I know, the oldest guy on the lake that can flip, of wakeboard. So that's uh, so I'm. And going for those forward. not
0: listening, like I've been to Eric's house a couple of times, like, and it's not like there's like ten people on the lake. Like, seven thousand people yeah. live on the <laughs> lake. I mean, it is. There is a bunch of people there. There's yeah, more boats some than good- cars.
1: Good borders here, yeah. But they're all yeah. top out in their 40s, the the oldest ones. So it'd be pretty cool if I could do that. Um I hope I don't break my ankles or tear an ACL or something like that. But yeah, we are you gonna do? So yeah. I, I can not just cruise around on the boat anymore, dude. I gotta I gotta get out of here and do it right. So I used to be able to fly on the board and I just lost it. I lost my mojo. So gotta get it back. What's going on there
0: with you? It's still hot. Uh, they installed my air conditioner the other day, and they're putting ducting in, and the air conditioner guys are in, and uh, one of those stupid pointer puppies I have, were out. Run- one of them was out running her. I just let her out, and she's running around, and um, I had some explosive odor out that I'm working her on, and she runs over and does her indication on her little pipe. like She's down on the pipe, and the air conditioner guys are like, The hell's wrong with this dog? And I was like, Oh, you know, this is what she does, is what she does, it's no big deal. And apparently, she comes out of the kennel, and I just let her run around and she comes over onto the explosive odor and downs and does her indication. And they're trying to pet her, and she's doing, she's bobbing and weaving it, like, don't touch her, don't touch her, don't touch her. And I'm just kind of watching, I'm like, You know, it's, you know, and because I'm cleaning her kennels, that's why she's out and she's already worked that day and uh I, my interns are standing there like should we reward her i'm like yeah because she's an indirect reward i'm like yeah just grab a handful of food and just say the magic word from across the kennel and they were like yes and she would run 20 meters from the reward all the way to restore the food and then all the way back to odor and then all the way back to restore the food and then all the way back to odor i was like all right your kennels clean you can put her up <laughs> she's already worked no, she's today she's exhausted so no i was like she's fine and no she sat there and barked all for 20 minutes uh so that and uh we had what interesting happened oh we got a (laughs) we got a wiener dog that is part of a pack that hunts and uh bites people so that's fun uh i call him the murder weenie he's uh not that bad he's uh he's a cool dog uh mr leon but other than that you know it's pets and uh, i'm going down to a regional training day this weekend taking or well friday taking my interns down to regional training day guys from north texas and southern oklahoma uh southern central oklahoma so that'll be fun for all the police canine stuff but other than that it's uh, ssdd lots of reps on place and here <laughs> and uh so other than that not a lot so uh
1: but what do we got going on tonight so tonight's pretty cool man um we All of the military handlers and people involved in the military side that we've had on are all uh, GWAT guys, you know, um, guys right, that right. handled the, you know, because we've been there so long. Guys have been handling dogs in over in uh, Iraq, Afghanistan, Syria, and different places like that. Um, but we wanted to have our guest on. Um, he is, we're going all the way back to the Vietnam era for, for our guests. And this yeah. is pretty... It's going to be pretty cool because I'm fascinated by all that that time. Well, we've
0: so, had several people ask about this. Oh specific yeah, for sure. Era, right. <laughs> so, oh yeah. And I'm like, it's kind of that
1: unknown. Like,
0: well, well, you know, and I, I wasn't born then, so I mean, I don't know what to do. Um, <laughs> so, Let me
1: look. Yeah, I I was born uh, part of the time he was in the Marine Corps. Go. So we're good. So, my dad, my dad, this is his era. Um, but anyways, um. So, those of you on YouTube, that's why I have glasses on because I'm going to read his bio on my phone here. Um, He served in the Marine Corps uh, from 64 to 70. We all know that's uh, right in the meat of the Vietnam era. Um, He was assigned to the first Marine Scout Dog platoon. Um, He and his dog Stormy, one of the first 30 Marine Scout Dog teams to be deployed in Vietnam in early 66. Um, In 2000, uh, our guest and a few other, uh, Marines and Vietnam era guys started the, um, let me make sure I pronounce it just right. Uh, United States war dog association. He was a president from 2000 to 2021. So a long time. Um, it's a really cool organization. And when, if you look at this, when, when this comes up on YouTube, you can see a ton of things in the background behind him in his office and all the memorabilia and they have been helping, um, military working dog teams ever since they kicked it off sending care packages sending letters sending support help um all kinds of great things like that um they they do that through their operation military care canine the program is amazing and it's definitely something that's well needed and um, people that i've talked to um, from the military working dog world said that it's very well respected and um appreciated like really appreciated that type of stuff so uh without further ado the uh chairman of the board of the united states war dog association uh, ron i i ron how are you buddy i'm great, great. it's good to be here good yep. good glad you could uh get in so real quick what is all that stuff behind you this forces everybody to go to youtube by the way when i say this stuff <laughs>
2: uh what's behind well what you see behind me on the my left side, that's kind of a wall of memory or honor. Mm-hmm. It's the uh, men and women who uh, were killed in action over in the Middle East. And on the side wall are all the dogs that were killed in the Middle East. And, uh, well, we have photos all over of the different teams oh, yeah. that have been serving uh, in Vietnam, uh, Korea, World War One. One dog from World War, yeah. One dog from World War One, which was a Sergeant Stubby. Oh
1: yeah. And
2: it's kind of like a little museum here. Yeah. Uh, we try to teach people about military dogs, what they've done in the past, and what they're doing today. Um, so that's why I have it all set up like a museum, so I could teach people about military dogs and their handlers. Yeah, it looks like uh, a lot of people still don't know that we have military dogs.
1: <laughs> I don't know where they're living under a rock. Of yeah, some I know, sort. I
2: know, I know. So
1: before we get into your background and everything, like we usually do, uh, let's talk about something we were talking about before we started recording. Yeah.
0: yeah, this is kind of like a one of those things that comes up because of the moment. Um, today is August thirtieth. Um, when this airs, it'll be September. 30th. 13th-ish.
1: 13th ish, I think. Yeah.
0: So, um, the people listening to this are well aware of the, um, what's going on half a world away and the August 31st deadline. Um, there is a picture floating around and it's a bunch of crates in front of a ANA helicopter. Um, and I, have been working dogs all day pets and police dogs and dealing with my interns and everything else and so uh there's a like a misconception that there's a lot of um military working dogs left over there i've been in contact with some contract guys and girls females that got out several weeks ago and they did not leave any military like in no mwds NPCs, or combat assault dogs were left by the u.s military i know we left a lot of other shit there which is not outside the scope of this conversation uh but they were not left there the dogs were not left there so the picture um i, I when somebody sent it to me i was like if that's part of the a a thing like those may have been dogs left by the a a like i get it i can see that but those are not u.s or they are not contract dogs right so ron what's your you have been in contact with some people that you're, that had some very, like, people are super worried. I'll put it that way.
2: Uh, I contacted, uh, well, actually, he called me uh, Rich Farkas. He was uh, at the, the DOD. He was actually uh, in charge of all the military dogs for all branches of the military. He retired just this past year. Right. And he gave a call over there to the DOD about the dogs. And he was assured that all the dogs, military dogs, were out of Afghanistan. And I believe the contracting dogs actually left first about two weeks ago. So I've seen these photos. I've had people calling me up about uh, there, there's. Military dogs left behind. There's seventy of them, seventy of them, and they need money to bring them back. And the one lady last week, uh, she said, "I've already raised eleven thousand dollars." And I told her, "You know, give the money back." Uh, then a person from the AKC called me, and she had, the, she got the same story, and she was ready to donate ten thousand dollars. And I said, "Please don't do it because the dogs are not there. They are all back. What you're seeing." Are stray dogs that rescue groups? There there are several rescue groups in Afghanistan that have been rescuing these dogs. And that's the dogs that you're seeing photos of. The rescue dogs, they're not military dogs and they are not contracting dogs. Yeah, that's. It's very very deceiving.
1: Right.
0: No, it's super deceiving. That's a surprise.
1: Something deceiving (laughs) on the internet. (laughs) I <laughs> no. you're right. Yeah.
0: So I and I, my initial comments were like we should be a little more worried about getting um people that aren't there or that are there that don't want to be there <laughs> out rather than and I and I knew that all the, the dogs came home. Um I know um I, I was been in contact with a couple of handlers handlers that were over there. Um, and they're like, Oh, hell no! And on top of that, I, I, they had like some kind of golden retriever looking thing. It's like, What is that? And he was like, Oh, it's a rescue. This is kind of wandered onto the airfield. I'm like, What are you doing? They're like, Oh, we're gonna bring him home. Like, What? Okay, (laughs) they're like, We're gonna put his ass on a plane. I'm like, All right, right, fine. They're like, We're gonna stick him on the back of one of these C 130s or whatever, whatever's coming out of here, and he's gonna fly out with everybody else. And I said, Oh, okay, fine. But I know that, and they had, um, uh, how can i say this they had uh the dogs there to help kind of screen and do whatever and some other things and um to get people kind of go through to to get onto flights and get out and whatever else so um i i didn't have any doubt that they were going to bring those dogs home (laughs) there's no way and if for no other reason then they're still considered u.s like property but then we left a bunch of other shit there. So I'm not like, I was like, well, they're not gonna, you know, and I, I just don't. But so I got a ton of messages the last two days. I woke up to an inbox full. I'm like, Oh fuck. People are asking me and I'm like, I don't know the answer to this. Like, what do, who do I ask? So I ask a couple of dudes and they're like, no, they're, that's not, it's all contract and all the contracts and military dogs and CWDs, MPCs, MWDs, combat assault dogs are all out or have left or were not left. Yeah. It's like rescues. And like I said, if it was a dogs, it wouldn't surprise me. But um, there was another Middle East country that had kind of a similar problem and, you know, but by and large they're, they're out. So everybody that's seen that photo there are no hell there may be cats there. in
1: some of those crates
0: well i mean we got a bunch of dogs here so like worry about them <laughs> like, yeah, we're free we to worry about we don't even worry about dogs in afghanistan <laughs> not that are <they're sighs> ours so but anyway so
1: cool there we go yes there we All go right, ron so let's let's talk about your background a little bit where are you from where'd you grow up uh well i grew up in trenton new jersey mm-hmm I can tell. I can hear that. Uh, some <laughs> Trenton Trent yeah. folks are going. I know. Yeah, right. Boom, got it. So, uh, did you join the uh, Marine Corps right out of high school,
2: or uh, yeah. about a, about a year after high school? I joined. I was nineteen. Uh, I enlisted in the Marine Corps. I wanted to be a Marine since I was probably eight years old. Uh, my uh, grandfather was a Marine in World War One. My uncle was a Marine in uh, Korea, uh, and I felt that I should follow suit, and so first opportunity I had, uh, joined the Marine Corps in uh, July of '64. Uh, went through basic training, ended up in uh, Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, and uh, I guess it was that late '65 that they were asking for volunteers to go to dog training school, and at completion of the dog training school, be assigned to a restricted area. And I thought, well, you know, Vietnam was starting to build up. And what better way to go to Vietnam than with a dog by my side? So uh, I volunteered and uh, went to Fort Benny, Georgia for three months training. Uh, there were thirty of us, and we trained for three months and then they put us on two c one thirty planes and flew us right over there. Um, we were over there in about about four days later. So we went from Georgia with the cold weather to uh, Vietnam
1: that you was quite different
2: hot. yeah yeah it was quite hard so we had to climatize the dogs for about 20 days yeah before we were able to actually be able to use them uh once we climatized them then the, the word went out to the Marine Corps that first Marine Scout Dog platoon was ready to be de- deployed and um uh, I happened to be one of the first to go out on a mission, and it wasn't because I was any better than the other teams. It was because they went alphabetically. You know, I, <laughs> yeah. with an A, yeah. and the other person was Brent with a B.
0: <laughs> Sucks to be Brent. So, Oh I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. I mean, what? Um,
1: so the army out. was doing the training then. That was, or did the marines have their own the school? Army, after the army, army
2: did. The Marine Corps didn't have a training program, so they asked the army to, to train us. So uh, we went to Fort Benny, Georgia, and I, I, got to, I hate to say it, but I want to say it, the Army did, Army did a hell of a job training us. They were really good, the instructors. So we went, when we went over to Vietnam, we had a lot of confidence because of the training, and because of the bond we already formed with our dogs. And uh, we were very successful over there. Uh, after six months, we were credited, the 30 dog teams with uh, 2,200 kills and captures. Damn. Yeah. And, oh, and that's I've been counting all the ammunition and the weapons that we found. So oh. the dogs were magnificent.
0: What were they using? <laughs> what? Hold on a second. Mm. What were you using the dogs
2: for when you guys got over there? Well, we were scout dogs. We used them for everything uh, enemy ambushes, booby traps, pungy pits, trip wires, uh, sentry if we needed it. Uh, we would go out in front of the patrol. Uh, uh, If we were in the thick jungle, maybe we were only a few yards ahead. If we were in the clearing, the rice paddies, maybe we were 50 yards ahead. And we were, our dogs were first line of defense, early detection. So uh, if my dog alerted, my dog would automatically stop and kind of point and look in the direction where she's getting a scent. I would automatically kneel down by her side and, and talk to her, ask her, what do you see, girl? What do you see, Stormy? And try to decipher what she's trying to tell me, which it could be, uh, you know, at 11 o'clock, 300 yards, a possible enemy am- ambush or a, uh, a landmine or a booby trap up, up the, tr- the road a little ways. Uh, matter of fact, my first patrol uh, had to uh, search two villages, search the first one, which I would go into the house would stormy, she would sniff around. If there was nothing there, we would come out, and then I would tell the Marines behind me, all clear, so they could go into that house and move things, open drawers, and not worry about some explosive going off. Mm-hmm. So we went through the whole village, nothing. So I'm leading the platoon uh, behind me uh, down a trail, and I just come out into a clearing, stormy eye. We took about two steps. She stopped, and she looked up to the right flank. Well, as I said, when she alerts, you go, You kneel down by her side. So I started to kneel down, and as I started to kneel down, the sniper's bullet went right over my head Ooh. and missed me. So she picked up the sniper in the tree. Could have been I, I doubt She oh. smelled oh. them. It was probably some kind of sound that shouldn't have been there. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 the, it could be a rifle safety being taken off. It could be a twig breaking, but she alerted to it. And it was enough for me to to realize she's alerting to some kind of danger. So that was my first patrol. So I knew <laughs> definitely where she was going to work Holy with shit.
1: me. So well, tell us about Stormy. Like what kind of dog Whoa. was she?
2: Sherman Shepherd. Uh, when I met her at uh, Fort Benning, she was 18 months old, young. She's a baby yet. Yeah. Uh, we trained for three months. Um, we started with basic obedience, advanced basic obedience, which was hand commands, nonverbal commands. Uh, and then that was up close. Then we did it like 30 feet away. And uh, once once we they felt that we had control of the dog, then we started to scout, train as scouts. And what we do is we set up a, a patrol, fake patrol. Mm-hmm. Send one of the Marines out earlier and hide hide out in the woods. And then we'd set up a, a, a fake squad patrol and we would lead, lead the patrol. And you, you knew that, the, that the, the Marine or decoy was out on the left flank side because that's where the wind was coming from. And, and if the dog passed went too far and wasn't picking anything up, the person out there, the decoy, would maybe break a, a twig, make a little bit of noise to get her attention. And once she got her attention, then you would praise your dog. Good girl, good girl, Stormy. Pet her and praise her. And then, then the person would jump up the decoy and start running and make noise, and then chase after him. It's like a game. So now the next time you're running that patrol, your dog's kind of looking for something because they know. They're gonna get praised. <laughs> they're gonna get mm-hmm. to run after this idiot. Uh, and eventually the dog starts sniffing and listening for everything in front. And it just automatically they would smell the scent of the that, that decoy out there uh, in the field, hiding in the field. But they loved praise. They loved to have praise. Uh, and and that's what it was a game to them. What would so I always like to ask this because
1: we've gotten guys that were early GWAT, late Syria, different deployments. What uh, explosives were you guys finding from the Viet Cong and the North Vietnamese? What were they using there?
2: Uh, I mean, we were finding from hand grenades. Uh, a lot of it was uh, our own uh, munitions. You know, 155 mortar didn't go off. They would get it and, and fix it so it could go off. Hmm. Uh, unfortunately, we had two men that were killed by 155, one of our own. They set it up in the doorway of a house. And uh, the two uh, two dog handlers walked in. They didn't have their dogs with them. Uh, it was raining, so they tied their dogs up and went in. They were going to look at a map. And the first one set off the, the tripwire uh, and killed both of them. Um, If they had their dogs with them, their dogs would have alerted on it. So it was a mistake.
0: It's a a crazy like parallel. So like you take from from Vietnam fast forward to semi-present day one of our recent guests, uh was a Green Beret handler. Um assigned to a task force in Syria. And he talked about tripwires and talked about a lot of things you talked about. Except the trip wires were infrared, they weren't normal, like wires like you dealt with and they dealt with um hme and so it wasn't normal explosive um it was stuff made out of spray paint it was shit made out of stuff that they could find the one thing that was interesting about like the guys from iraq that we talked to versus the guys that go to afghanistan and syria and all these other places is that the iraqis had and like the dudes in iraq had stuff that was normal conventional explosives that were stolen or from uh, the american whoever and you go to afghanistan and despite the fact that the russians left but most of it was um hme and so we would train these dogs and train these handlers and you have these trainers that were like oh i were i was in you know wherever and doing anything else and they come to these areas and they come to these um aos and they're like uh you know this is not what we trained for this is not the normal thing that we and we've talked to a couple of handlers that found um new odor or not necessarily new odor but just stuff that wasn't planned on when they were training in the united states and they're like oh shit we have to do some training in the field and do some exposure and do some either Uh, like proofing off or you know like confirmation training in the field for new odor for stuff that guys are using in and we had paul hammond on like way back i mean he's back in the 20 and we're in this this episode like 140 yeah yeah so we had paul hammond on uh and paul a ninja with that kind of stuff and he was like you know you need to talk about the stuff and deal with stuff that you guys had on uh that you're dealing with like in your ao and you know that doesn't make a whole lot of sense for people in the United States to train on dynamite because the one thing the ATF has managed to do well is keep real explosives out of the hands of people that don't need it. But that doesn't stop the regular shit from – or like the HME stuff from getting into people's hands and it was kind of was dealing with – with they were dealing with in Iraq. So it's it's interesting to hear to hear that you guys dealt with the same problems that our guys were dealing with in you know 2013-14 in Syria or even later than that. And in Afghanistan, they're dealing with tripwires. They're dealing with, uh, but the explosive material was different. So it's definitely a regionally, which is why Eric asked the question. I was like, it's definitely a regionally um, specific thing in dealing with, uh, you know, like the people that you're, they're planning IDs or planning tripwires or planning bombs or planning anything else to deal with. So um, when you guys trained those dogs at Fort Benning, how, I mean, it's been and like, as like we talked about earlier, like I, this is before I was born, a lot of the stuff happened before I was born. So when you guys did that stuff, how was the training for the explosive voter? Was it direct reward, indirect reward? How did that go?
2: Uh, again, that was, uh, you know, it was uh, hidden in the ground. Uh, could be, you go into a building, you may have it in a wall. You know, it could be explosive, it could be ammunition, could be a rifle. They pick up the rifle oil scent, right. humans. Human scent. When we first got over there, I don't think they could really distinguish the difference in smell between a, an American and a Vietnamese. Two different scents. Mm-hmm. But eventually, they started to distinguish the difference between the two. So if you had you had an American a Marines over to the right flank and you had a v- Viet Cong up ahead, they're gonna pick up the scent of the Viet Cong and not associate the American scent. They could actually distinguish the difference between the 2 I'll give you an example. I'm searching a village and I just finished searching one building house. I'm going over to the next one. Uh, it's probably there about maybe uh, 50 feet between the two. As I'm walking, I'm about halfway over to the other house. Stormy stops and looks to the left flank. Now, the only thing there in the background is some tall grass. So I'm thinking, you know, maybe somebody's in the tall grass. So the way we worked, because we only had a 45 sidearm, uh, and the reason we only had a 45 was we were yeah. the first. They didn't know whether we could handle a rifle and a dog. Holy shit! So what I would do is have a bodyguard to my, my right rear. He would have full automatic rifle, M14, and he would be my, my bodyguard. So I said to him, i got an alert. You, you want to go in on it?" And he says, yeah. So we went in. Went into that clearing, and all of a sudden Stormy stops, and she looks straight into the ground. And I'm going, booby trap, landline, you know? So my bodyguard pulls out his bayonet and he starts moving the grass, the, the leaves and the dirt and everything. And he's moving it, he's down six inches into the ground. He's down a foot into the ground. Then he's down 18 inches into the ground. No booby trap, but he reaches in there, he pulls out a plastic bag. And in the plastic bag are documents. So we t- we turned the documents in. We found out the next day that they were North Vietnam, um, uh, the soldiers of North Vietnam, it was their battle plan. Oh, wow. Oh. <laughs> she, what, she, what she picked up, and it's 18 inches in the ground, oh, is yeah. their, their human scent that was on that plastic bag. 100%
0: that. Yeah,
2: I got I to be, be honest. There was also something else in that bag. And nobody's going to do anything after all these years. There was two diamonds in there.
0: Oh, <laughs> oh God.
2: <laughs> he looks at me. He says, yeah, two diamonds. It's two of us. I says, okay. Yeah, there you go. So wow. we t- took the diamond. When I got back to base camp, I sold it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but she picked up on the human set on that bag. That's you know. in the ground. I'm real. I, c- I couldn't believe it myself.
0: Yeah, that's uh, we had another we had a ranger battalion or ranger guy on uh, one of my good buddies Trent um, on and when he was on I think the episode's called like High Six on a tritronics, but they talked about dealing with some of the dudes in Afghanistan and like one of the dog both of his dogs uh, Benno and Leica had problems dealing with the A and A guys and um, he's like man it was only in the dark and he was like I you know what I I know what the problem is. And he had them come back because they shared some like space and whatever else. And he's like, you know what, come back. I'm going to wash your clothes in our, like in our stuff. Like we're going to wash it in Tide Pods basically. Like don't eat them. Like, but so they washed their clothes. And like, after that, Benno and Laker had no problem dealing with um, (laughs) like the dudes that were assigned to those teams. And he was like, Oh, you smell like these, you smell like our guys, but no, you're a hundred. Yeah. You're a hundred percent. (laughs) Right. Right. Uh, I don't know about finding diamonds, but... um... Yeah.
2: Now, the other thing uh, we used to do, and I don't think the Army did it, uh, uh, we lead night patrols to ambush sites. Yeah. In other words, uh, one example is uh, Intel said there was a vehicle going through a certain area by an old cemetery a few clicks out. So when it got dark, uh, we moved out. And uh, my friend, Mike O'Brien and his dog, Candy, they were leading the patrol. I was pulling up the rear. And then we switched off, and and I was leading. Uh, and it was kind of a... Did, did you ever watch the Benny Hill show? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> the whole night was like a Benny yeah. Hill show.
0: Yeah.
2: So we got and then, then the, the wind changed, so I took the left flank. And then I walked into something and was. And then my bodyguard sh- sh- had lit uh, a flashlight. And I walked into a spider web. And a spider web was right by my left hand, by my head. And I jumped back so fast I think I pissed my pants almost, because I hate spiders. Mm, uh... So then we go down and we make a right flank. We gotta go down the ravine, up the other side, and it's muddy and I'm slipping and I'm sliding. And Stormy's up there already you know, on my six-foot lease. So I told her to stay, and I was kind of hoping she could help me up a little bit. Finally, he got up. And once we got up, we realized we lost one of the Marines that was pulling up the rear. So the, the wind changed again, and we put one of the Marines out front. And now, now we're at, at about 10 o'clock at night, 1030 at night. And all of a sudden, you hear, oh, who goes there? And I said, holy shit, we're going to get killed. Yeah. It must. This Marine must have just got off the boat. What had happened is he walked out into the clearing at the same time a Viet Cong walked out into the clearing from the other side. And they looked at each other. And all the Marine could think was, who goes there? Well, he shot the Viet Cong. Luckily, the Viet Cong had a... Uh, a rifle with the wrong ammunition. So it wouldn't fire. Nice. So we got, out, got up to the ambush site, set up and everything. We were there several hours, nothing happened. So we led led the patrol back and we found the Marine we lost. What had happened, he stopped to take the piss. And when he looked up, we weren't there. And the reason was we made a right flank and went down that ravine and up the other side. So he hit, he hit in the bushes until we came back heck yeah man i (laughs) mean it was just you know it was a hilarious night uh and there were other nights like that i mean nothing happened you know it wasn't it wasn't always that you had combat
1: yeah so when you guys get there when you when you uh your um scout dog unit gets over there did they Blow you guys all over the country. You're going with this group. You're going with that group, or do you just get hoard out constantly with whoever wanted? Or how did how did the requisition work for you guys? They, well,
2: it was only thirty of us, 30 of us for all of them Marine corps, I corps, and so we couldn't do long missions with you know for days and days with different with the same unit. So we bounced it with maybe a one day, two days, three days mm-hmm. mission. Uh, they just say. Uh, you're going out to three five. be ready tomorrow morning, you know, at, at 0600. Chopper's coming in. Chopper come in, you jump on with your dog, and they fly out to wherever it was. And most of the time, we didn't even know where it was. You know, we just flew out to their unit. We didn't know where their unit really was. Right. And we worked with them, lead patrols, uh, and then get phone back either to, to our home base in Da Nang or— to another unit now after we were there about six months or so we had another 30 dog teams come over so now we have 60 dog teams so now we're able to do three weight three week commitments with the same unit uh it was just that we were not enough dog teams for all of the right. marine
1: corps of course not
2: now was word starting to spread i assume Oh yeah, I mean we, that word was was spreading. Uh, you know, uh, when all the units they wanted us, they kept asking for us. The dogs, uh, we had a bounty on our head, and the dog had a bounty on our head. Uh, we, we were worth the, the handler was worth about ten thousand dollars, and the dog was worth about twenty. To kill the dog, kill the dog, they get twenty thousand dollars. If they, they had to prove they killed the dog. How the hell they do uh, that? And the reason was they they were trying to get rid of the dogs because they were doing so well over there. Yeah. Yeah. What happened is that one of the reasons they wanted scout dogs because they were getting ambushed so much. They were walking into ambushes. Well, once the scout dogs came over and were leading these patrols, they weren't getting ambushed anymore because the dogs were alerting to the to the the ambush.
1: So when you were saying earlier that. That some of the things the dogs would find are those like pungy uh, pits. Yeah. What What are they? The, is it the disturbed earth, the dug up ground, or is it them, think, them touching the? What were they
2: finding? Well, touching it, but they used to. What they used to do is they, they you were pour urine on it. Ah. Oh. So if they oh. get a pungy picket in, in in your leg or your foot, it's going to get infected right away. Because that's what they wanted to do. They want to take you out yeah. of commission. So the dog, the dog would pick up whatever they put on that punching pit. Usually it was like urine. It could be feces for all we knew. Uh, but the dog would smell it when they got up to it.
1: Okay. Well, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Um, so all the stuff that I've ever seen, read, heard, anything about from Vietnam-era soldiers is... How much pro how many problems they spent the humans their entire tour there fighting foot problems? What were some of the health problems you had to deal with with stormy on a pretty regular basis? Uh,
2: insects, leeches, leeches was a big big issue, you know, in monsoon season. Uh, one case where, where I'm leading a patrol in the monsoon season, we're going through tall grass and everything. And Stormy started to kind of like moan a little bit. So I stopped the patrol and looked down and she had on her, her chest, she had a number of leeches on her and they were bleeding. Sure. So I pulled the poncho over us, lit a cigarette and i burned, trying to burn them off. And she, she kept bleeding. So I said to the, the, the platoon leader, the lieutenant, I says, I need a medevac out of here for her. I got to get her back to the vet. Of course, he wasn't too crazy about that. But he knew that if I asked for a medevac for her, he had to do it. Yeah. They were told that. So they brought the medevac in, flew us back to base camp. Uh, our veterinarian was waiting for the shopper to come in. He took her, took her right to the, the vet house and he performed surgery on her. He had to cut out those areas. They were getting infected already. Uh, foot problems, uh, you know, cuts, scrapes. Uh, Cuts going, you know, through certain areas, sharp, sharp bushes, or so forth, like that. As far as uh, any other health issue at that time, there were none. They were pretty how,
1: good. How big are the leeches that you had to deal with?
2: They were probably about three inches, three and a half inches long. They were nice size ones. <laughs>
1: No spiders, but you'll take leeches all day. like right? that. No, I'm, I'm, yeah. both. I'm i both. I have a, a <laughs> friend of mine here and that lives in the little town that I live in, who was uh, one of those um, MacV Sog guys, and he got shot nine different times over there. And he said the uh, the worst wounds he ever had were he got shot and then the leeches got into the bullet wounds before. Yeah, he I heard that myself. And it's just horrible. He said it. He said that damn near got him out of the military. It was so bad. the The gunshots were, of course, what they were, but he said the militias were the worst part. So, Stormy, uh, did the whole tour with you.
2: Yeah, it's our two month tour, and um, when it was time to leave, uh, when we were over here, about nine months, they started to train another thirty marines at Fort Benning with training dogs, mm-hmm. and then they were just going to fly over and relieve us. Uh, it was probably six or seven of us. We wanted to extend for another tour uh, as dog handlers, and they wouldn't let us because uh, we had 30 replacements coming over, and that would mean six or seven of those handlers wouldn't have a dog. So yeah. they said, no, you can't. You, you can extend it as a, a Marine grunt, but not as a dog handler. We said, no. I said, I'd be glad to st- do another tour with no problems, as long as I'm with my dog. Uh, so so we didn't stay. So I met, I met the handler. Uh, they gave us a day notice, let us know the handler was coming in the next day. Handlers came in. I met the handler who was taking over Stormy, S- sat down with them for a couple hours and then shook his hand and said, good luck. Because he only was going to have about two weeks, maybe three weeks tops to learn everything about Stormy and then start to go out on patrols. See, I had three months of training with Stormy right, right. before well, going out on patrols.
1: And your oh, first we, had, patrol. we had the advantage. Yeah, yeah, you get thrown the deep and, end of the pool on yeah. your first,
2: first deployment. And that's why I shook his hand and wished him good luck. <laughs> you know? uh, but they did good. I, uh, I met each handler that she had after I left. I have met them. And she was uh, I met them the last one was 1971, and she was still over there leading patrols, finding explosives. So she I was very proud of her. She was doing a good job saving lives. Um that's a lot of work,
1: man. That's that's a lot of work for that dog. Um so
2: when you came up the point before after you're done.
1: When you're over there um was so the first 30 dogs that went over there were they was it all german
2: shepherds or were they using uh, mixed german shepherds they were mixed i mean we had one that had great day in it we had a one that was had some eskimo in it yeah they were these dogs were all donated mm-hmm. to the oh. military these are all yeah. somebody's pets at one time yeah that was dorm, i believe was uh, from indiana originally and I did Pro- write the, the family Pro- we wrote back and forth for a while.
0: She's probably from Bond Lake.
2: Yeah. He, went,
1: <laughs> he was in
0: there in then.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> exactly.
2: All what, right, cool. What the advantages we had versus the the dog teams over in the Middle East, our explosives that we had to deal with were not remote controlled. Right. Yeah.
0: Oh, no, yeah. Them.
2: So that that was an advantage for us, a disadvantage for the dog teams over in the Middle East, because they could they could set it off when you're almost up to it.
1: So real quick, when you would when she would alert point, what how, how what were you using to make your determination on whether it was a human uh, or whatever? Because you've got to make that quick.
2: Yeah, the determination is when I get down and try to decipher what she's saying, I have to look at the terrain out front. I have to feel the wind, what direction it's coming from, how it's coming. Usually we want the wind between, uh, say, 10 o'clock and 2 o'clock, preferably. Okay, so we can really get the scent in the air. But then we have to look also out front. What was the terrain? Was the, was the tree line, you know, a certain way? could the scent have been coming around the other side of the tree line and we're picking it up so you had to you had to look at all of that to make that decision
1: yeah that's like uh, doing math and shit right there in the middle of the field and hoping that nobody <laughs> I mean,
2: and I, I think that's one of the most important parts is when you get down and you you're trying to decipher your dog that's kind of a life and death situation you got to kind of call it right because if you call it wrong uh, somebody might
1: get killed. Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Um, well, all right, we're gonna go ahead and this is pretty cool. We're gonna go ahead and take our first break. When we come back, we'll uh, yep. see what uh, post Vietnam was like and and how we ended up getting into the association. So stick around. We will be right back. We have a long-standing relationship with the guys over at Hits Canine Training Conference. Uh, it's truly America's premier canine seminar. It is the largest. It is the best. Um, They cover every important topic in the canine industry. Hundreds and hundreds of vendors, thousands of canine people there. Everybody you know in this industry is there. Ted and I will be teaching. Hits 2022 is being held in Orlando, Florida, August 16th to the 19th. Also check out their website, hitscanine.net. They have other classes that they're putting out online. Uh, Zoom classes and all kinds of other things. They're offering in-person classes leading up to Hits 2022. Orlando, Florida, August 16th to the 19th. Check it out, hitscanine.net.
0: Everyone knows me, knows that I live on chicken nuggets and Coors Light. So uh, that doesn't mean your dog should though. Um, our friends at Kinetic um, are, make it a, a point to fuel working dogs and they know that it can be tough and they need high quality food, unlike me, to give them energy and the nutrients that they require. I just subsist on air and you know, Coors Light, but, so, but the dogs can't, they actually have to work. So for that, we asked... Kinetic and Kinetic has come up with a great balance of healthy meats and grains and is made specifically for working in sport dogs. They have a full line of foods and supplements available, and they've been working to perfect their line for thousands of dogs in hundreds of departments across the U.S. You can buy it locally online or at Tractor Supply, or you can get it at Chewy. So head over to their website, KineticDogFood.com, 513-615-6904 and get them on the socials at kinetic dog food.
1: So probably the number one product I've ever advertised for or used that set that does what they say is quick turn by vet care. Uh, I have it uh, at my house. I have it at the kennel. I have it at the fun house. I have it at the uh, doggy daycare. I have my trainers have at their house It is unbelievable how it works. You guys have all heard Ted and I talk about it, how we've gotten tagged by dogs or dogs do, you know, if you're dealing with working dogs, weird stuff happens, right? Cuts that how the hell that happened, bites, scratches, all kinds of things that happen, especially if you're doing anything in the wooded area, they get tore up Uh, the quick derm by vet care. It is no exaggeration. It is great. So once daily treatment for any skin condition or small wounds to help stop little issues from becoming big ones comes in sprays, ointments, or dressing. Quick Derm is great at creating a protective barrier and promoting wound healing. The best thing, too, is they have a discount code. Get on their website, vetcare.us. That's vetcare.us. Put in the discount code 10WDR in capital letters, 10WDR for 10% off your first order.
0: These next guys uh, have actually been on the show, and we instructed at – the first uh, tripwire conference down in florida uh jim o'brien was a guest on the show uh, and he runs nc 9 who has now come onto the show as a sponsor um jim's been around for quite a long time about 13 ish years uh with experience handling and training law enforcement canines um, he uses real world deployments to develop training program and not rely only on their experience but current experiences from most of their national canine teams and handlers to provide the best canine partner that you guys can purchase. They provide pet training and police canine services based out of Four Oaks, North Carolina and they serve the surrounding areas. Feel free to give Jim a call, a text, Carrier Pigeon, however if you want to get a hold of him uh, to, to talk to him about police canine training or pets and techniques and methodologies. So hit him up at 919 438 0141 or J O'Brien that's J O B R I E N at N C letter k number nine. us. check the show notes we'll put it there
1: all right everybody we are back working dog radio broadcasting the bite with uh ron Iello from the vietnam era uh talking about his dog stormy and some i'm sure there's you could probably tell stories all night but uh that was pretty insane um sounds like, so fucking, like there wasn't a lot of downtime so fucking your, hairy. Yeah, there's some hairy <laughs> shit going on over uh, there and, Oh
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah <laughs> no. look back on it. You know, well, while I was there, you know, it was a job and you didn't think too much about it. But looking back on it, I, I must have been a little crazy.
1: Yeah, I'm like itchy. I can like feel the bugs and the leeches while you're telling those stories. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's a whole that's a whole nother door in the spider webs and things like that. So uh stormy stays with the next with the next handler. Um you rotate back. Where did what happened to you after that?
2: <laughs> That's interesting. Hmm. There's 42 Marines in our unit. 30 of us are dog handlers. 41 of them got stationed close to home. The 42nd one, which is me, got sent to Key West, Florida. And I live yeah. in New Jersey. <laughs> it wasn't close to home. Not at all. Not no. at all. And then I finally figured out when I enlisted, I enlisted in Miami. <laughs> So they just looked at where I enlisted and figured Key West, Florida, which was a good uh, thing. I love Key West, Florida. Not bad. Uh, US Naval Base, Marine Barracks, was there a, a year and a half before, yeah, year and a half there. Uh, marine marine uh, you know, security for the base. Uh, it was good duty. Uh, met my wife down there. She was working for civil service. Then we got married down there. And uh, moved to New Jersey after I did get out of the military. Did you
1: have trouble coming down after such a high operational pace? Oh, yeah. Did I? <laughs> I,
2: think, I think most of us did. Well, first of all, you, you don't have the real Marine Corps structure when you're in, in a combat zone. You can do a lot of stuff that you normally couldn't do in the States. Uh, so getting back, I had that attitude which I had to get rid of mm-hmm. and get back to being a straight Marine again. So I, I had some, some problems a little bit uh, with our commanding officer at Marine Barracks, but we straightened that out, got that straightened out. Uh, yeah, and then I got, I guess for about 10 years after I got out, I bounced around from job to job. I just, I couldn't stay in one place. Yeah. I, you know, if I stayed a year, it was a year too much for me. Uh, you know, I moved back to Florida, moved back to New Jersey, moved back to Florida, went to California, moved back to Florida, you know, and I did that for almost 10 years. And my wife put up with me. Uh, so it took 10 years for me to actually settle down. And then I still had to deal with my PTSD.
1: Yeah. Did they even understand that back then? No. No.
2: no I had gone to the VA. When we moved up here, I went to Philadelphia. They didn't understand anything. I just stopped going to them. Uh, it wasn't, I didn't go to the VA until, God, maybe 15 years ago. Uh, I had a good friend from Vietnam. He kept saying, you gotta go to VA, it's changed a lot. And, uh, and he kept pushing me and I finally said, all right, I'll go, I made an appointment. Went to, it was at Fort Dix, New Jersey. Uh, and I have to say, they were terrific. I still go to them and they're they're still terrific. Uh, They take care of me, surprisingly, you know, because you hear so many bad things about the VA. And a lot of them are probably true, but I have not had that bad experience with them.
1: Um, When you were moving, bouncing back and forth to Florida, was that during the winter? We like screw this, I can't take another one of these winners. You go to Florida. It, you
2: know, it didn't make any
1: difference no. weather wise, season wise. Because every single winter here in Ohio, I, I'm like, I need to get the hell out of here.
2: I just, I just would just get to the point where I said I tell Judy, I said, we gotta go. We have to move. And I'd <laughs> say, let's let's go back to New Jersey let's go back to Florida. And she'd say, Okay, you know, and, and we would just, I mean, we'd sell everything and go
1: so after that 10 years when you settled down did you kind of focus in on one kind of uh career path there at that point
2: uh occupation wise i mean yeah i I always been working for somebody and i just couldn't get along you know and so uh, i had worked one year with my uncle when i first got out of the military he was an auctioneer and i worked with him uh setting up the auction, buying, buying the merchandise and everything. I did that for a year. And and then I was in the food and beverage business for a number of years, restaurants and and bars, and I was never satisfied. I always wanted to do something with my hands. Uh, So for one year, I did work in Trenton at a dental clinic to be a dental technician. So that, that taught me how to make things, you know, create things. Mm -hmm. so uh my uncle who i was not working for anymore came over to me and he asked me if i could fix this bowl from a bowl and pitcher set i said yeah i'll give it a shot so i went out i bought some supplies and i restored it put it back together made it did some painting and everything came out pretty good and i said, wow maybe this is something i could do so I practiced and practiced and bought more materials and I did that for about 6 months and then I opened my own business antique restorations restoring china porcelain for dealers museums did it for 32 years and that's yeah, when I, I that's when I settled down
1: oh, that's amazing
2: that's, actually that's this really this, this war dog off office here was my dental <laughs> my antique restorations at one time for 32 years. And and I always did for the last 21 years, I I started doing it part-time U.S. War Dogs. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then that became starting to become like almost a full-time job. So about seven years ago, I decided to shut down my business and just concentrate totally uh, on the military dogs. That's
1: awesome. So let's talk about that real quick. Yeah, how does this? How does this? You and these other guys. What is this? a A bar time conversation? How does no, this get going? No,
2: no, what happened is I, I got an email from a, a a gentleman who was a dog handler in the Middle East, or in Vietnam, and he was going to be at the Philadelphia Dog Show, and he had was have, going to have an exhibit, war dog exhibit, and he says, "Once you come out, and stop by." So I did, and he, of course, she sent emails out to other dog handlers up in New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania. And so we did a couple of dog shows with this guy. And then we, there were four other dog handlers. Uh, One was an army scout dog handler, the other three was a sentry dog, Air Force, excuse me. And um, we said, maybe we could do this, put an exhibit together. So we did, and we started to go to dog shows and dog events, just telling people about what the dogs in Vietnam did for us. And it really went over well, was received very well from the the general public. So then we decided, you know, why don't we start fundraising and uh, create the first state war dog memorial in the country? So we picked the New Jersey Vietnam Veterans Memorial up in Homedale, New Jersey uh, for the site, and we got permission from them. And then we started the fundraise for it. It took six years. We raised the the funds for six years. And then in uh, June of 2006, we dedicated the the first state War Dog Memorial. In the meantime, 2003, they start to send troops over to the Middle East. Mm -hmm. And I just remember when we were over in Vietnam, we didn't have any support. We didn't get care packages. We didn't get letters from strangers. Yeah, you know, I got I got my grandmother sent stuff over, you know, yeah. family members. So I asked the other uh, board members. I said, Do "You ever get a care package from somebody you didn't know?" And they said, "No, never have." I said, "Well, we're going to make sure that these dog teams that are over in the Middle East get packages and realize and understand that there are people back here who care about them." So we started the, the Operation Military Care Canine and we started care packages. And I think over, that was 2003, uh, we probably sent well over 30,000 care packages uh, to different dog teams, Middle East, Iraq, Afghanistan, Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, uh, you know, a number of satellite countries around Afghanistan and Iraq. Uh, and they appreciated it. Uh, it was a great program. Uh, and we were all really happy to be able to help them. Uh, did a lot of emailing, back and forth, talking, you know, uh, asking how they're doing, what they're doing, you know, and if they could tell us what they're doing, they would, you know. If they couldn't, we understood. <clears throat> and uh, it was very fulfilling to
1: be able to help them. What, what are in those care packages?
2: Uh, we 70% are for the dog and 30% for the handler. We'll put we'll put toothpaste and toothbrush for the dog, and we'll put toothpaste and toothbrush for the handler. We'll put dog treats in there, and we'll put snacks for the handler. Uh, Doggles for the dog's eyes, boots for their paws, and hot sand and asphalt, Ear wash, eye wash, uh, anything that would help the dog work better. Cooling. If they needed a cooling vest, we'll send a cooling vest over to them, or a cooling bandana that both the dog or the handler could wear to keep them cool. Because in the summertime, you want that dog to be able to work, able to work as close as possible to 100 percent. Because if they right. can't work well, they, they may miss an alert, and and that's we don't want that to happen to them. So right. I mean, we put and then sometimes we'll we'll I'll email the handler and say, "What do you need? What actually do you need?" And put that care package together by their needs.
1: That that's pretty cool. What um did you partner with any any like manufacturers or
2: anybody to get like the well all a, lot of, a lot of the companies uh, you know Doggles and, and Mutler companies they they gave us a discount like we were a dealer. So we got like a 40% discount that we had uh, in 2010. I had a phone call from uh, Pet value pet stores They're up in the Northeast region. where they were, they're out of business now. Uh, and they called me and they said, we like what you're doing. We'd like to help do a fundraiser. I said, fine. You know, and they said, well, we'll get back to you. Yeah. You know, and I've heard that before. We'll get back to you. But they did yeah. two, two weeks later, they called me and said, we got, got it all set up. We're going to do a fundraiser from July 4th to Labor Day. I said, terrific. So they did, they, they sold paw prints and bandanas and they raised us about 26000 Wow. But then the following year, it, it more than doubled. And at some point, about seven years into it, they raised a half million dollars for us. Jeez. Yeah, I know, I know. But unfortunately, they went out of business this year. They had 358 stores, but they lost so much money because of the pandemic. They shut all the stores down.
1: Yeah, I remember that. That's that that's definitely one of the um crappy byproducts of that whole entire thing. Yeah.
2: So now they had a sister store down south Pet supermarket. They didn't close it down, they sold it off. But that the new owners are still doing a fundraiser at least for the month of July. So they're raising us a couple of thousand.
1: Oh, that's nice. That's really Yeah, nice. so yeah, I'm, I'm happy with that. So do you have do you have like people that reached out to you hey my brother is deployed right now with his dog is that how you kind of find out about who's who or
2: it's it's word of mouth yeah it's a word of mouth and and i'll get uh, you know i'll get a an email saying my husband's over in iraq uh with his dog you know and uh can you support him i'd say sure just give me his name and his address and we'll get a package right out to him yeah. you know uh so you know um could be mothers brothers sisters husbands wives that, that'll contact us and just want to help their family members and we we jump right on it we love it
1: oh yeah of course all right we're going to go ahead and take our second break uh we come back we'll talk about where we're headed um and yeah. some of the memorial things and um talking to ron uh this has been this is pretty great so stick around guys we'll be right back All right, guys, this episode has been brought to you by great sponsors of ours. Please don't skip through this. Take a listen to them. One of our oldest sponsors and great friends of ours are the people down at Highland Canine down in North Carolina. Um, I really like them. We We see them at all the conferences. I know a lot of people have been to their school for dog trainers. They've been on the podcast. Highland Canine, they're a full service canine. And pet dog training business where they can train you to be a trainer. They can get you a dog. They have handler classes. They have supervisor classes. They have trainers courses for just LE. They have them for anybody who wants to be in uh, in the dog business, be a dog trainer of any kind. Um, check them out. Their website is tacticalpolicek9training.com. Tacticalpolicek9training.com. If you are smart, you'll go down there in the winter. It is North Carolina. It is warm. You get to work dogs. It's no, no joke school, guys. You're not going down there for a month um, and, and rushing through it. They're actually trying to make you real deal dog trainers, uh, tactical police canine training.com.
0: Next is a sponsor that has been with us for quite a while. Uh, dog I love doctor stuff and they continually keep bringing out new products. Uh, one of the things that I've been using a lot lately is the new tone box. If you're a pet trainer, or if you train a lot of police officers, And I harp on my guys all the time about timing. And this thing literally kind of pairs to the the remote. And when you're using the remote, whether you're using Nick constant, or vibrate, it makes a noise. So you can get the timing down 100% consistent. And so I can demonstrate how to do an out with an e-caller immediately, quickly. And it is so effective that I can't believe that it took me forever to figure it out (laughs) to get that. They've also got these new um, comfort feather, like titanium things that go on the collars that uh, are fantastic for making sure we got contact. It actually has six points and this comes in two sizes and it's a titanium feather thing. They're awesome. They got comfort, comfort contact points for the bark collars, the YS 600. One of my favorite things I have about 50 of them at the kennel and it is dead silent. And I put them on all the pet dogs and I can leave them on because they have the, the comfort contact points and they're fantastic. All this stuff you can get at dogture.com. And if you use the discount code WDR, one zero, you get ten percent off a single item over two hundred bucks. So that covers the ball trainer. That covers the nineteen hundred ask free, which is my personal favorite for all the big dogs. Uh, it covers the two dog system, uh, the two hundred two C, which I use for the two dog pet guys, and fantastic. So doctor.com or go to at dogtraofficial official on all the socials. That's Facebook, Instagram, all those places. So hit them up, dogtra.com.
1: Guys, I don't even shop any other sites when i'm looking for everything for dogs our one-stop shop for anything pet dog training and police dog training hunt dog training anything you need you can find at rayallen.com they have been doing it forever we have a great relationship with them um again they're at all the conferences you can stop up and talk to them they have more stuff there than any place rayallen.com they are amazing we have a great uh, really, really good relationship with those guys. Um, like I said, I get on their website. I do not look anywhere else. I just get on Ray Allen. Why, why should I fill up my cart? Pay it. Boom. Shipping. Here we go. Uh, everything's coming. RayAllen.com. And guess what? We do have a discount code for them. Working dog radio for 10% off. It's all one working dog radio. And it's all caps. Check them out. RayAllen.com.
0: I'm not too shaved to admit that I used our own discount code to buy stuff for the kennel. We have American Aluminum next, our new sponsor for uh, moving forward. Um, They have been around for quite a while. They manufacture a wide variety of products from the high-quality cam lockers and toolboxes to a huge line of products designed to meet the ever-changing needs of law enforcement community. Back in 1992, due to the demand for safe, secure transport for a nearby law enforcement department's canine, they introduced the very first Easy Rider canine. They have continuously grown and expanded products, catering to the needs and wants of the valued customers and a high profile clientele. Over the years, as the needs have changed, they have evolved and expanded their products to include inmate transport systems, canine training aids, canine inserts, contraband, containment and animal control systems, just to name a couple of things. So you can find them at easyrideronline.com. That is easy echo zulu rider Online dot com. You can find him on the socials at American Aluminum Accessories. And then you can hit them up toll free, one 800 277 869 You don't have to worry about writing all that down. We're going to put it in the show notes. So just scroll down to the bottom, write it down, click the link, takes you straight
1: there under your phone. Our first sponsor we ever had, he's been he's our ride or die. He's been with us since the beginning is Arno over at ALM K9 Equipment. His stuff is so good. Ted you know gets suits. He and listen Ted suit He's had it for a long time. Arno's Mm -hmm. fixed it. He's uh, taken a million bites on it. It still holds up. The thing's amazing. I've got a suit from him. I love it. Use it all the time. Uh, But the main thing that I really love about Arno is his hidden sleeves are ridiculously amazing. They are the best. And his tugs. I usually buy tugs from Arno by the box load. He'll send me a whole bunch of them. I hand them out to the handlers, new handlers when they come in, Experience handlers, uh, they last for a long time. They're amazing. The craft work is, is great. Arno's doing all the, the sewing there. He's got pre-made suits. He can do custom-made suits, everything you need um, out there. And he's out there in sunny Las Vegas. Get on his website, check him out, k 9 equipmentcom ALMK9Equipment.com. Discount code WD Radio all caps, 10% off your first order. Check him out. All right, everybody. We're back. Working Dog Radio broadcasting the bite. Ron Aiello from the um, Vietnam era with Stormy we had some great stories here talking about the uh, the uh, United States War Dog Association that's um, supporting guys all over the world out there working dogs. So those of you who are watching on YouTube or wonder will wonder who is that in the background? That's that
0: yeah. um, dog statue. I'm pointing at the screen like people can see me. But yeah. Like over. Go to right- YouTube and see what <laughs> yeah. I'm pointing I'm at. I'm like, what's that? <laughs> so the dog, dog is
1: behind you, that uh, statue you have. Who is that?
2: Dog. Oh, that, that was created by Susan Bahari out of San Francisco. That If anybody watched the movie Max, mm-hmm. that came out about two years ago, there's a scene where the young brother's riding his bicycle up to the Marine base. In the front of the Marine base is this tall pillar with a dog on top of it, and the Marine Corps flag and American flag are flying. And that's the dog that was up there. They asked her if they could use it for a prop, uh, and she gracefully uh, gave it to me. Oh. <laughs> she called me up. She said, "I'd like to give it to you." And I said, "Sure." Yeah. So it's a beautiful dog.
1: Oh yeah. And anybody who knows anything about these types of statues, uh, they are not cheap. They're not cheap for the artist to make, and they are not cheap for you to buy.
0: You got one at the clubhouse.
1: (laughs) Yeah. uh, So you got bronze
0: ones at the clubhouse. Fucking Jethro. Yeah. Jethro.
1: We had a dog Jethro that got killed, and we had a uh, an artist named Lena Torich make a um, bronze statue of him, and it's on this amazing base for the police canine association. I'm going to say we've got like 30 K into that thing. Um, Oh, it's, expensive. Yo, it's yeah. there forever though yeah. too. Yeah. So describe, talk to us about the Memorial there that you guys have in, in New Jersey.
2: It's a dog and a handler. And, uh, the, the dog is at full alert and the handler is kneeling down by his side with his right arm over the dog. And that's what I would have done. And, and, uh, Kind of saying, What do you see, girl? Uh. It's, it's a little larger than life size. And I wanted that with the dog and the handler in that position because that's, that's the most important part of scouting, is deciphering what that dog is trying to tell you. And uh, Bruce Lindsay from New Jersey created, he did a fantastic job for us. Uh, his, he really got into it because his brother was a Vietnam vet. Nice.
1: Is the handler wearing a Vietnam era? Actually, uh,
2: Vietnam era uh, gear would have been the yeah. gear that I wore
1: out uh, on patrol. Um, I'm going to back up real quick, and Ted yeah. and I ask this all the time. Yeah. So what gear were you, like, were you a 30-foot leash guy? Were you a 10, 5, 6, Six. 50? Six foot?
2: We weren't allowed to work off leash, and we weren't allowed to work with a 30-foot you had to be six foot leash all the time, never off, off leash, and what that really did was at night on the night patrol, that made a difference because when Stormy, I told I put the harness on Stormy and, and snap on that leash, and I tell her search girl, she would go out front. She'd almost be pulling my arm out of my socket. Oh yeah. If she alerted, the leash went slack because she stopped. So if I couldn't quite see her real clear. I could feel her and know that she alerted.
1: And you could be right that, like, All right. depending on where six the wind away. is, she could be standing <laughs> yeah, on
0: the
2: yeah,
0: you know, fucking six, six feet away. I
2: hope you had some moon up there to give you some light. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But that's how I was able to tell her she alerted at night is that the, this, it would, the leash would slack mm. on her, on me.
0: With this, this fucking COVID shit like being six feet away from people? i i am i'm all about being more than six feet away from people believe me that so like running a dog in a six-foot leash other than walking and maybe some like narcotics work i'm like nah they can get out in front of me it's good
1: <laughs> yeah yeah man not allowed to be business. off
0: leash i run a 50-foot line during tracking with fucking green dogs i'm like no get out in front of me go on i'll be behind you i'm <laughs> let me catch up bro but running a six-foot line tracking no i'm good <laughs> Like nope, <laughs> especially if the dog, especially you're saying those dogs had a like they were getting rewarded for killing them. I don't want to be anywhere near them. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. and then if you're the handler, I don't want to be anywhere near you either. So, like, <laughs> if I was with you, I'd be
1: like, no. Nah, with like, his, we'll, 45, we'll, his forty-five, his yeah. forty-five pistol. They yeah, give I you a fucking gun. They pistol. give you a
0: handgun. They give you a handgun and a six-foot line, and you are like, oh, by the way, you're both targets
2: yeah, and in the I front.
0: Yeah, and I would be like, no, nah, she needs a forty-five at least. And if I was in your patrol, I'd be like, you need a hundred. I'm gonna put a hundred on you. You put a forty-five on the dog, and we'll be good.
1: <laughs> yeah, you that. heard him say sometimes he's nope. fifty yards away in front. Fifty nope. yards.
2: Yeah. I would check out sometimes a shotgun. Take out with the. That. Yeah. You know, uh, That's nuts, man. Action, just in case.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. yeah
0: I I no.
1: No, thanks. <laughs> so do, anyway, you, want me, we, do you want me to do what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so with the memorials, have you guys um, put memorials anywhere else? Have you helped oh, uh, we, build just, some for other people?
2: Just last year, we put some play, someone very special. Arlington National Cemetery. Nice. It's woman's memorial at Arlington. It's the gateway to Arlington. Uh-huh. And we were able, Susan Bahari, who did the the statue behind me, uh, created a memorial specifically for female dog handlers. Oh wow! Oh, that's we cool. commissioned her to do it. It's a dog and a handler. It's called the Pledge. You can look it up and see the photo. It's beautiful. And we put that in last year. Uh, even though there was a pandemic, it was open, that we could bring so many people in. And uh, had a real good turnout. And uh, so that, that was an important memorial to put in. Yeah. Uh, we worked uh, with the, the Women's Memorial there at Arlington for a year and a half to get it approved. Uh, and uh, we dedicated it last year. Uh, and there, There's other memorials. We didn't do it ourselves, but we made donations to them to help along. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, I'm sure. I tell everybody, you know, it's those people who are in like the uh, western part of the country that don't come this way very often um, are really missing out, not getting to Arlington to see. I've been there a few times. Um, yeah, I've been there twice. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Uh, yeah. I remember I ran the Marine Corps Marathon and we run through Arlington, and I'm running with a pacer. And we're running, I'm reading these things as we run by them. The oh. next thing I know, the Pacer's way up there because I'm damn near walking. I'm just, and it. And it's, yeah. every time I've been there, it's blowing away. But now I'm going to have to go
2: back just to see the pledge there. Yeah, you yeah. definitely have to see it. That's that's pretty it's, amazing. It, it's, well, I think it's one of the most beautiful uh, War Dog Memorials in the country. Yeah. What um,
1: So, unrelated to dogs, how powerful for you is the Vietnam Memorial that they have there? In D.C.? Yeah.
2: Um, I've been to it a couple times. The only reason it really I get emotional is because two of my friends are on there, on that wall. The two guys from
1: the... uh, the, the two guys 65. from my unit, yeah,
2: Vietnam. Yeah. Uh, it, it's uh, when I when I found out about it, it was kind of a shock because uh, I had just come back from from a mission, mm-hmm. put Stormy up in the kennel, took care of her and everything, and I was walking back to my tent, walking around to the front of it, and somebody said to me, Shepard Shepherd are dead," and I I just kind of froze in place, and I I it, it, I still remember it.
1: Brian just sent me a picture of, uh, the pledge memorial. Okay. Oh, that thing is gorgeous. That thing is amazing, man. Very touching, very powerful.
0: One of my, uh, one of the guys that's local here is a Marine handler. Um, he, his name's Anthony Marquez and we're trying to nail him down to come on. Uh, he's doing it a, a video project. Um he's got some other stuff going on. Great dude, but there there was a, a thing rolling around um I have to look at it, but it had to do with some g guys um that were killed. And, you know, there was missing information and there was some like inaccuracies in some of the stuff that they had and like so he went through the the museum or like the the project it's like a traveling deal, right? and uh so when you said like it you know you saw two of your friends there and like he had guys that he he lost uh 17 guys on one deployment um they were in and and it was a super hard summer for those dudes and uh you know it's an interesting to hear you talk about these memorials whether it's the war dog memorial the vietnam memorial or the memorial that um uh, my buddy was talking about that like they move it around the country and how they correct some of the issues i've heard about misspellings of people's names on the on the vietnam memorial and um so and i you know i've seen the picture i of the ple- of the pledge and it, it is definitely like a super super nice like it's, it's a beautiful uh, memorial and it's i it wasn't there last time i was there um which was a long time ago uh, like when I was in college, which, I mean, I know we're talking about Vietnam, but it's still like 20 <laughs> something years ago. Yeah. So it's been longer than that. So if you're around, you should go see everybody stop by that one. But um,
1: you spend all day at Arlington. It's crazy.
2: Yeah. I've
1: been there. It's,
2: we, we, yeah. got, we got about 10 years ago, we got an opportunity to take four retired military dogs to Arlington hmm. and walk around with them. Because uh, uh, I, I think that, you know, they're not crazy about bringing dogs in there, yeah. uh, but they allowed us, and we walked around with the dogs, uh, and it was, wow, so powerful to be there and look at all those names oh, right. and all yeah. those, those sites.
1: Uh, so what's the future of the United States War Dog Association?
2: Uh, what do you well, think they're doing? What happens is, you know, when a, when a dog, military dog retires, they retire because they're either old or they're sick, or both. Mm-hmm. And they're on a number of prescription drugs. And, and the military just cuts them off from everything. They don't get any support. So it's up to the person who adopts the dog to pay for everything. So uh, a woman had called me up, uh, must be six, seven years ago, and she said, "We adopted a military dog a year ago. I love, I love my dog, but I'm at a point where do I put food on the table, or do I buy prescription drugs?" And I says, "Well, you you need to do both." Mm-hmm. <clears throat> All right. So, so the next day, uh, I sat down and start thinking about it. And, and pet value pet stores, you know, were bringing in a lot of money for us. And I said, "Okay, let's start a free prescription drug program." for military, retired military dogs. So as of today, we have over 1,100 dogs on the program. Holy Damn. smokes. Yeah. Holy uh, shit. Definitely <laughs> holy smokes. So then then uh, <clears throat> I had a woman call me again from McGuire Air Force Base in New Jersey. Her husband's a dog handler. Uh, he has a new dog, and he's deployed, and they have the retired dog, but the dog's really at a point where it needs to be put down, euthanized. It's, it's in too much pain and all. So she asked if we had a program to help her with that. And I said, you know, not really, but have the veterinary call me and I'll pay for it. So again, I sat down and I said, wait a minute, let's have an end of life program, Operation uh, Rainbow Bridge. So we pay so much for the euthanization, or the euthanization and so much for the cremation, we reimburse them for it. We, we supply wheelchairs when they can't use their hindquarters. Wow. Uh, and we have uh, Red Bank Veterinary Hospitals here in New Jersey. There's five of them. <clears throat> as long as they're registered with us, we can get them in the hospital for anything for free surgery, chemotherapy, radiation, dental work, whatever. So it's all free. So we have all these programs for retired military dogs. I've stepped down now as president and Chris Willingham, a Marine uh, who served 20 years in the Marine Corps, 17 years uh, out of the 20 in the dog field, dog handler, kennel master. And uh, I've known him for probably about 10 years. And he came down to the best choice to take over the organization. So I asked him about two years ago if he would do it and he said he was honored to do it. So Chris now has been president now since January one. Nice. Uh,
0: Yeah, Chris is actually,
2: what's that?
0: Yeah, Chris is actually um, after this one, after this interview, Chris is actually our next interview.
2: Okay, great. Oh, yeah, right. he's, so, he's a great yeah. guy, he's <laughs> a terrific guy, uh, very dedicated. Uh, so he's he is uh, leading U.S. War Dogs Association now. Uh, I, I, I'm chairman, but I'm kind of in the background letting him do everything. Yeah. You know, he he's learning everything and starting to run everything now. He's doing a great job, and I feel confident you know, 20 years from now, he'll still be running it. So
1: if people want to help you guys, where's the best, through the website or through social media?
2: They could go to our website, uh, uswardogs.org. And there's donation uh, buttons on on the pages that they can make a donation directly to U.S. War Dogs. Uh, If they, uh, you know, they could call. If they need any information, they call Chris, they call myself. uh, We'll be glad to talk to them and tell them exactly where the money would be going. Because we have it set up that they could designate where they want the money to go they don't want to care packages do it uh health care and the life services you know and and that's where it would go
1: that's that's impressive man you guys are doing so much eleven hundred dogs in the in yeah. the uh, med it's just on the
0: prescription <laughs> program holy shit yeah <laughs> I was like there are health care providers that don't do that with people, so oh, i'm I'm just i mean, just saying, but <laughs>
2: hey well, Bob Thompson is a co-founder of the organization. when I started out i I say to Bob last year or two years ago, I said, Bob, you know, I thought you know we put the dogs on a program, some would die, we' we'll put more dogs on a program, some would die. It's not balancing out. I says, he says, of course it's not. that's why we're giving them medical care, so they can live longer, yeah. I said, oh yeah, okay.
0: Excellent. So uh Eric, where? Go
2: ahead. Yeah. We actually are giving them a year to two years more in life with the medication and treatment that they're getting. Oh so a we are... doubt. We're doubt. prolonging oh, yeah. their
1: life.
0: Oh, without a doubt. So they can eat more more beef jerky and sit on the <laughs> couch. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which is where they should be. So, um, Eric, where, uh, where can we
1: find you? Um, I'm, you can find me at VanSK9 on Instagram. It's the best place. Working Dog Radio, we have our own Instagram page, working underscore dog underscore radio, Working Dog Radio on Facebook, Patreon. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. So, Ron, do you guys have social media? Well, we
2: have, the, we have, face, we have Facebook pages, mm-hmm. uh, USwarlogs.org. We got two different groups. We got a group and a page. Uh, They can go over to that and they can find out a lot about what's going on in the world uh, with military dogs. I it's understand. just the united states war dogs association
1: on facebook yep i'm looking it up right now i'm joining the yep. group well there's questions to answer so i'm gonna have to do that
0: after.
2: <laughs> and a lot of, lot of dog handlers post on it of their 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 dogs or, or stories about their dogs so there's a lot of information on the site the yeah, facebook I, site i just followed it so yeah that's,
1: that's good how about you ted where can you be found
0: uh, Ted underscore summers on Instagram. Uh, that's my day-to-day like pets and uh, police dogs uh, and then Torchlight pets and then Torchlight canine letter K number nine and then HRD police canine. Uh, and then obviously working underscore dog underscore radio for the podcast, uh, which is where we have all the stuff, which will be a post about this interview here. up Probably already by the time this gets done for everybody before it's even done editing. So yeah, other than that, and then obviously you mentioned Patreon. So yeah, um, Ron, this has been great, man. I mean, we, we've had multiple people like, oh, you need to have somebody on for Vietnam. I'm like, well, shit, we got to find one of those guys first. So like we found one. So, uh, you know, and it's interesting because, you know, a lot of the things that you talked about that the dogs are used for, they're used now. And for the same things and you guys have the same problems and the same issues aside you, from the six the, you're uh, right. You the,
2: know, you go back and talk six foot leash. Back to, I've done I, I I know a number of dog handlers from World War Two. The war dogs the South the devil dogs of the South Pacific. And I've I have i have gone to a reunion with them and their stories are exactly our stories, and our stories yeah. are their stories. It it's it's the same thing the only difference is different time and different location. Yep. But we do the same thing.
0: Yeah uh, and while this interview is going on one of my buddies that's a ranger handler that was a guy I'm texting him and I'm like oh we got a vietnam guy on and I was like you guys are saying the same fucking thing <laughs> except you're 40 something years apart and he's like right. uh, exactly and he's like well so he's texting me he's like what do you mean and I tell him he's like well no, it, so he and I, we going and back and forth. I'm like, no, it's the same thing, I promise. I so. started
2: this, I was in my 50s when I started the organization. Right. And I was dealing with, in 2003, I'm talking about 19-year-olds, 25 year olds, handlers. And yeah. we, we could relate to each other so much because I know what, they do, what they're doing and they know what I have already done. So we have that, that bond. 100
0: percent. Yeah,
2: there's a bond between us. We, we we can understand each other. So it makes no difference what your age is.
1: 100 percent. That's correct, so, man. Well, thank you for coming on, man. Yeah. Uh, my pleasure. Good time. Yeah. I mean, I love to talk about the dogs. I mean, <laughs> that's what it's all about. I'm gonna so, go ahead and mute my mic because Jesse's barking, and you're just gonna hear me yell at her. Shut up, like a crazy. So, person
0: a yeah, Ron, thanks for coming on, and for those listening, thank you very much. Um, I
1: appreciate it. The
0: guy you just missing, Chris
1: Willingham, Chris is
0: on. I'm got an interview with him in two days, so that episode, this episode, uploads on the 23rd. So for the or for the 13th, for those listening chris willingham episode uploads on the 23rd so we're talking to him day after tomorrow so yeah but ron uh i appreciate it man i thanks a lot for coming on and pleasure. a great interview
1: yep thank you thanks a lot guys thanks guys
2: you got your reasons i got my wants still got that feeling but i'm too old